Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, we're talking about if men and women should train differently. And there are obvious differences between men and women, but I want to talk about the differences in physiology. And I think that these are important to understand when thinking about training and knowing how to work with your physiology to see the best results. Today, I'll talk about the key differences between men and women. So the differences in their skeletal muscle, the differences in their hormones, the differences in their cycles, and more that will influence some training variables when you're exercising. I will also talk about how men and women can train the same in many ways and when and where that's appropriate. So let's start all the way from the beginning and talk about what's happening before someone is even born. So in utero, males are exposed to lots of testosterone where females are not. So this is genetically influencing things like muscle strength and power that will influence how men and women train and respond to training. Because of this exposure of testosterone in utero, this influences characteristics of male musculature to make them more powerful. So males in general can recruit a higher percentage of their muscle fiber with a single repetition than females can. So males can recruit more of their muscle with a single effort than a female can because of this exposure to testosterone in utero. Interestingly, when it comes to strength training, this can cause more damage in the muscle. So it makes sense, right? They can they can recruit more of their muscle, therefore more of the muscle is damaged with exercise, which means that males generally require more recovery than females do. Because women don't recruit that as large of a portion of their muscles with each rep, so they can recover faster because, in essence, they're doing less damage to their muscle with each repetition. They may also see, women may also see better results from slightly higher volume where men need less overall volume to see muscle growth. Again, because women are recruiting a smaller percentage of their muscle fibers in each set, whereas men are recruiting more of their muscle fibers so they can get away with less overall volume and see the same amount of growth. So a man could do, let's say, three hard sets for, I'm just using arbitrary examples, three hard sets for legs and see good gains where a woman may have to do five or six hard sets to see the same amount of gains. So this isn't to say that men shouldn't do more volume or that women have to do a ton of volume to see results. Both men and women still do have to track how much volume they can recover from and adjust accordingly. I like to think about like there's not a prescriptive dose for men and women. It's more individualized. So I like to think that a great starting place for most people, both men and women, is about four to seven hard sets per muscle group per week. So that's four to seven hard sets for glutes, four to seven hard sets for chest, four to seven hard sets for abs, etc. A hard set means that you are taking an exercise just shy of failure. So it's not just about muscle burn or shaking, and you know you're close to failure when you have a decrease in velocity or speed. I'm sorry if you're a body happy joints listener, this is like broken record territory, but 
it's important to talk about because I think if you're listening for the first time or if you're not used to this content, you might not know what a hard set means. So by the end of your set and the last few repetitions, you really slow down. You might feel like your heart rate increases, breathing increases. You might make some funny faces. The exercise all of a sudden gets a lot more challenging. That's a hard set and that's what tends to be necessary for muscle growth. So you can start with those four to seven hard sets per muscle group per week, and then you can kind of adjust depending on how you're feeling and how you're recovering. If you're recovering really well from that, you could add more. If you're not recovering really well, if you're sore all the time, if you feel like you're not increasing strength, then maybe you taper it back and do less sets. So that's muscle recruitment and how muscle recruitment is different between men and women. Another thing that differs between men and women when it comes to muscle is their muscle fiber composition. So within a single muscle, let's say your quadricep muscle uh, or a quadricep muscle, a muscle of your thigh, you have different compositions of fiber within that muscle. So you've got your type 1 fibers and then you have type 2 fibers and there's different categories of type 2 fibers. So you can have different Each person can have different composition of type 1 to type 2 muscle fibers. For the most part, men tend to have a higher composition of type 2 muscle fibers, where women tend to have a higher composition of type 1 muscle fibers. So type 2 muscle fibers are generally your stronger, faster, bigger, more powerful, powerful muscle fibers, but they fatigue quickly. Whereas your type 1 muscle fibers that women generally have a greater composition of in comparison to men are generally great for endurance, but they're a little smaller and they're generally weaker. They can't produce as much power. So how this translates is that women tend to have better endurance than men, muscular endurance than men, because they have that greater composition of type 1 muscle fibers that allows them to fatigue less quickly. Fiber type composition differences between men and women may be a reason why a strong male might find more endurance-based workouts like Pilates or bar very challenging because they likely have a higher composition of type 2 fibers and less of those type 1 endurance fibers. They might find that a workout that's higher rep, longer sets like a lot of Pilates or bar workouts might feel really challenging for them. This is also why women tend to gravitate more towards higher rep endurance-based training like many Pilates and bar methods because they're genetically quote-unquote better at it due to their fiber type composition. But all of us, men and women, are losing type 2 muscle fibers as we age, and we generally keep a good composition of type 1 fibers. So both men and women should be strength training in a way that targets those type 2 muscle fibers. And this comes in the form of challenging muscles close to failure in under about 30 reps. Super high rep training that's mostly targeting your endurance fibers like Pilates and bar will certainly burn and those workouts are challenging. But they're most likely recycling type 1 fibers, your endurance fibers, that we tend to keep as we age and never really reaching and stimulating the type 2 muscle fibers that we're losing as we age. So although higher up training may feel more natural for women, it's not the type of training we need as much as strength training that elicits a type 2 stimulation and adaptation. 
This is not all or nothing, by the way. It's not like, oh, I'm only working my type one fibers or, oh, I'm only working my type two fibers. You can actually target both type one and type two fibers in the same set if you are in a little bit of that higher rep range. So if you're in like, I don't know, 12 to 30 rep range. In the beginning of the set, when the exercise or when your reps feel a little easier, you're a little fresher, you're likely using those smaller muscle fibers, those type one muscle fibers. And as those fibers fatigue in the last several reps of your set, when you're really starting to struggle and slow down and getting close to failure, your body calls in those larger type two muscle fibers because the exercise intensity is increasing. So just to summarize that, you can get both stimulation of type one and type two fibers by kind of staying in that bit higher rep range, like the 12 to 30 rep range. So just to summarize before I move on uh, about the differences in skeletal muscle, the differences in muscle between men and women. So men tend to have a naturally higher composition of type two muscle fibers in comparison to women. They also tend to recruit a larger percentage of their muscle when they lift in comparison to women. This means that men generally need less volume and they generally need more recovery than women because they're causing more damage in a single rep. How does understanding the differences in skeletal mass apply to training and how does this differ between both men and women? So both men and women should train by getting close to failure in less than 30 reps. High rep training, like some Pilates and bar methods, I'm saying some Pilates and bar methods because it's not everything, but I just like to, I like to give you something to like think about or imagine or an example. So super high rep training can for sure be beneficial to sprinkle in, but I recommend the majority of your training be targeted towards more fatigable muscle training. So getting close to that failure point in under those 30 repetitions. So that's muscle. What about hormones? This is a big difference between men and women and kind of a a lot to talk about. So I'm just going to kind of talk about this in the sense that we'll talk about cycles and how cycles differ between men and women. And men have cycles, but they have circadian rhythms. They have 24-hour cycles. And women also have circadian rhythms or 24-hour cycles. So what's happening is in the beginning of the day, our cortisol and testosterone are a bit higher. And as we get closer to the end of the day, closer to bedtime, cortisol and testosterone tend to fall. On the flip side, you have things rising towards the end of the day, closer to bedtime, like melatonin. So that's kind of your 24-hour cycle or your circadian rhythm. But while men only have the 24-hour cycle to contend with, which likely doesn't influence training very much, women have a also have that, and they have a 28-ish day menstrual cycle. So let's briefly talk about this because I think there's a lot of misconceptions with the menstrual cycle. The menstrual cycle can be roughly divided into two phases, so the follicular phase and the luteal phase. The follicular phase is day one of your period through ovulation. The luteal phase starts after ovulation and goes until the first day of your next period. During the follicular phase, from your period to ovulation, this is generally the time where recovery is the best and it can be a great time to increase your weights. Because progesterone is lower, you may be able to recruit a higher percentage of your muscle and feel really strong and connected. 
you'll have a lot of energy during this time. So this may be a really good time to add hit in addition to your strength training routine as you may have more motivation and energy and also be able to recover faster from all your training. Remember that if you decide you want to add hit, keep your hit sessions infrequent and short and high effort. I think if you're doing too much hit, it can actually be counterproductive. So I like to say like one to two 15-minute all-out hit sessions is really going to be the most beneficial and least damaging to your body in comparison to like four 45-minute boot camp sessions, for example. So if you're adding hit, if you want to add hit, it's not necessary, but if you're feeling good and you want to add it, think less frequent, high-effort, short sessions one to two times per week. So that's the follicular phase. And then during the luteal phase, the second half of the menstrual cycle, progesterone is higher and muscle activation is at its lowest. This doesn't mean don't strength train during this time. This doesn't mean you're weak during this time. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I don't recommend cycle syncing in the way that TikTok rec- recommends it in the sense that you're doing different workouts each week of the, of the month because you're not going to see any progress unless you have continuity of training. But you may just feel during this time, during this luteal phase, less motivated, less energetic, maybe less connected to your muscles. And maybe this is a time where you're pulling back in your strength training just a little bit. And some people don't experience any of these symptoms at all. So I I don't want to put this in your head and think that and make you overanalyze. I just want you to kind of take inventory of your own body and adjust if you feel those symptoms of lethargy, um, losing energy, losing muscle connection, things like that. If you're an Evla member, what I recommend is continuing to take the usual track that you take. So taking all the strength track classes, but kind of taking it day by day and assessing how you're feeling. If you're having a day where motivation is low, energy is tanked, you could start the class. Let's say it's Tuesday and you're taking lower body. You could start the class. Maybe you do the warm up, go through one set, and then fast forward to the cool down. Before I was pregnant, I my schedule was I taught for the membership four days a week, and then I would take one class per week. I was on the five-time-per-week track, still am, but now I'm teaching five times a week for the prenatal program. So when I was taking a class and I had more autonomy over you know what I was doing in the class because I wasn't teaching it, I would really adjust how I took those classes depending on my cycle. Because one week before my period, like four or five days before my period, I would feel awful, like unmotivated, moody, just not connected. So what I would do is I would still try to show up and take the class, but I would often use lighter weight or use body weight, or I would just say, okay, I'm just going to commit to doing one set and then I'm going to fast forward to the cool down. And often what happened is I did that. I started the class. I did one set. And then I was like, "Eh, I can keep going. I feel good. A lot of times it's just like getting started, honestly. But having those tools in your toolbox so that you're staying consistent and you're consistently loading muscles, even if it's more of like a maintenance mindset during that week um, of the month can be really helpful to keep you moving forward. The beauty of the Evlo classes is that we start really slow. So if you are having moments, and even if you're not on your period, maybe you're just like or uh, pre-period or whatever, if you're just feeling it, like if you're just having one of those chapters of life where you need less, in class, we start really slow. We ease your body into the workout. So it's so much easier to start a class knowing that you're going to take the first few minutes to really prime your body. We aren't just jumping right into class, blasting music and making you do burpees. I know when I was taking classes, 
before, again, before I was pregnant and teaching five times per week, it was so much easier to stay consistent knowing that the beginning of the workout wasn't going to be so jarring and so intense on my body. So although I recommend continuing to stick to your strength training routine as much as possible during the entire month, even pre-period and during your period and everything, the luteal phase or the second half of your cycle is actually a really good place to remove HIT if you are noticing some of those symptoms of lethargy, lacking motivation, weakness, etc. So HIT is more difficult to recover from. It's very difficult to recover from because by nature, HIT is like all-out intensity. And hormones that influence recovery may make it even harder to recover from during the luteal phase. So women may kind of like take out HIT try to stick with strength training, but you might taper the intensity of your strength training throughout the month to adjust to your symptoms, which are going to be highly different depending on the women. But men don't have these monthly hormone fluctuations to contend with, so they may be able to progress more linearly. They don't have those like dips in training where they're like, I need to pull back a little bit because they're not dealing with those fluctuations fluctuations in hormones. Whereas women may feel like they progress a little bit slower if you're listening to your body and pulling back a bit as far as intensity when you aren't feeling great. And I always say, we have the rest of our lives to work out. There is zero rush. So you might as well listen to your body and not force yourself to do something that your body is not wanting because that's when you get injured, that's when you burn yourself out. So gentle consistency, always, always. All right, so just to summarize the difference in hormonal cycles. So women have a 28-day-ish, some people shorter, some people longer, cycle that may influence recovery, it may influence muscle activation, and it may influence energy, all of which may influence your training. Not all women are equally affected by this. Some may not notice large fluctuations where others may. And I did an entire podcast about cycle syncing and even discussed hormonal birth control and how that can affect um how you train. And that's episode number 122 if you want to go back and listen to that. I don't recommend mixing up the type of workouts you're doing based on your cycle, but you could pull back slightly or just show up and kind of do what you can. Again, gentle consistency will always keep you moving forward. So men and women have these differences that may influence training. They've got differences in their muscles. They've got differences in their hormones. But how are men and women similar? How can men and women train in a similar way? Men and women can really do the same exercises because we all have similar muscle attachment sites in that we all have a quad or a thigh muscle that attaches below the knee and above the hip. We all have abdominals that attach at the ribs and travel to the pelvis. We all have a bicep that attaches above the shoulder and below the elbow. Because we have similar muscular attachment points, we can do the same exercises to target those muscles. If anyone tells you that women should do different exercises than men, I would run because this is likely a marketing ploy and just not true. Now, you may prefer certain modifications over others, but in general, men and women will both benefit really from the same exercise selection. We can all do bicep curls. We can all do step-ups. We can all do ball crunches. We can all do shoulder abductions. Another commonality between men and women that I mentioned before is that we're all losing type 2 muscle fibers as we age, unless we're training them, and we can benefit from keeping them and growing them. Muscle is a huge storage site for glucose, which can improve insulin sensitivity. So this means more blood sugar can be stored in muscle cell or more blood or more sugar, glucose, can be stored in muscle cells instead of being stored as fat. More insulin sensitive 
sensitivity is also shown to help avoid almost every chronic disease there is. So it is of utmost importance for us to keep those large, more powerful type 2 muscle fibers so that we can keep ourselves strong, less fragile, more powerful, and really insulin sensitive. And it also helps with body composition. We can do that through training and getting close to failure in almost every set. Again, the muscle endurance workouts, like many, not all, many Pilates and bar and yoga methods can be great to sprinkle in and have a place if you are injured or maybe if you're overstressed or maybe you're like, listen, that's all I can stay consistent with right now. But those type of endurance-based type one targeting muscle um, workouts aren't going to be as high bang for your buck as far as anti-aging and improving your body composition. And that goes for both men and women. So those are some key differences. There are more, but I just wanted to kind of keep it relevant to strength training today. I hope this was helpful. I hope this was inspiring and insightful. We will see you all next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.